into the pesky pole. And that's going to get on the line. That one looks like it'll stay fair. And goodbye, home run. The pesky pole. The 2-2. Swing a fly ball deep down the right field line. Slicing by the pesky pole. And that ball hits the pesky pole. Slicing toward the pesky pole into the corner, and that ball is gone! A green can. Now on a high fly down the right field line, headed toward the pesky pole. Is he going to tuck it inside? Indeed he does! That is gone! Welcome everybody to another episode of the Pesky Podcast. I am your host, The Rit. With me is our head writer mr george sutherland george what's been going on man how you doing i'm doing well yeah it's uh, a little tough after last night's almost come back from behind win but uh you know these days it's it's rolling the dice so but yeah uh i'm doing well it, it was crazy uh i have been to a lot of red sox games dc was there last night and i know and i sit there and think there was more runs scored in that one game that he was at than probably most of the games that I've been put together. So a lot of yeah, action he, and a lot of excitement. He got a good one, yeah. But speaking of a good one, you know, we're, we're back on the grind, getting interviews of some of the great up-and-comers in our farm system. And, well, we've got another one here. From the Portland Sea Dogs. He is one of our top relief pitchers in Portland. Mr. Alex Hoppe. Let's bring him right in. What's up, guys? Hey, what's going on, Alex? How you doing? Doing great. How about yourselves? Good. Uh, not bad. So, Alex, man, you're, you're down there right now in Portland. And Portland has more eyes on that team right now, I'm thinking, than the Major League uh, team does. You know, with the amount of talent that you guys have down there, you know, from top to bottom, pitching, middle relief, you know, the, the hitters are just phenomenal. Uh, what's it like, you know, being on the team right now with all of the eyes on you guys when you guys are going after the, the uh, championship? I mean, it's awesome. I mean, I've never been a part of a more talented team in my entire baseball career than what I am right now. Um, it's also awesome to see everybody working to get better, too. It's not like we're finished products either. So we're all together working towards the same goal of eventually reaching Boston as well as winning here in Portland. Yeah, uh, I've got to touch base because George and I talked about him uh, last episode. Kyle Teal. Have you got a chance to throw to him uh, in a game yet? Because this kid, when we're watching him, on fire with the bat, he's got an amazing cannon behind the plate. Is this kid the truth? Are we sitting there and seeing, you know, possibly the best catcher in the, the minor league system put together? I mean, I haven't got to throw to him personally yet, but I've watched him catch bullpens, and I've obviously watched him in the games, and I've also watched him hit. And I'll tell you right now, he's a phenomenal player and a phenomenal person in terms of work ethic in the weight room and on the field and drills and everything. So Boston got a really special person when they took Kyle Teal, and I am very lucky to have him with us 
here in Portland. So, uh, what's so? Let's go back. Being drafted by Boston, a little bit. Uh, what was what was it like? You know, getting that phone call. Who was around, and who was the first people that you contacted? So, um, I would kept a very small circle. And I just did it with my my two parents and my sister. So um, we did that at a dining room table. Uh, we were following the draft ticker and watching the, the TV. And it was just us three, or us four together. Um, it was an amazing feeling, a lot of nerves, a lot of stress, because you obviously don't know what's going to happen. But um, hearing that phone call from the Red Sox was very comforting. And then actually seeing my name go across the ticker, knowing I would be a Boston Red Sox was an even better feeling itself. Uh, kind of curious, growing up, who were you a huge fan of, uh, you know, watching baseball on TV? I am a diehard Cardinals fan. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, l- let's sit there and, and get the question out of the way. Growing up, and we sit there and you see the Red Sox beat the Cardinals, not once, but twice. Swe- uh, swept them in the World Series mm-hmm. and then getting called by Boston. Uh, were, there, were there any, like, man, of all the teams, you know? No, there's none of those thoughts whatsoever. I was just happy to get phone calls from either te- from any team, obviously. Um, I had no preference, nothing. My Cardinal affiliation was not going to affect my draft decision whatsoever. <laughs> so I was very happy that even though the Red Sox – kicked the Cardinals in the World Series, I was very happy to receive phone calls and be drafted by them. Uh, so overall, uh, who got you into baseball? Uh, what positions did you play or did you want to play when you first started out, you know, in Little League and stuff like that? Because uh, I know when my son played, uh, you know, he wanted to play one position, but they're like, "Ah, we're going to throw you somewhere else. And when did you begin to start pitching? So I played, I also, as long with pitching, I played shortstop and center field. Um, my, my dad kind of got me into pitching or into baseball from the very young age of probably like five. And it was more just, it wasn't just so much baseball. It was just, I liked throwing. It could have been a baseball, a football, a tennis ball, whatever you, a Frisbee. I like throwing things. Um, so he kind of got me into it at a young age went to T-ball, City League, and all, all sorts of travel teams and stuff like that. Um, but I pitching was always my, my favorite thing to do on the ball field. I liked being out there and stuff like that. And I, went, I did, didn't like hitting, um, so pitching actually helped me out in that aspect. But um, I think it's important also to realize that you have to be an athlete on the mound too. So when you do play other positions, it makes the one position you want to be good at for me, it was pitching. For other kids, it may be first base or shortstop or center field or catcher. It will also make them a better player overall and a better athlete. Yeah, uh, they always say that uh, shortstop is probably the most athletic position. Uh, talking to uh, Fitzy up in uh, AAA, you know, he plays a lot. But he, he said shortstop, you know, makes you better to play other positions, you know. And then being able to play center field with that cannon uh, – Pitching's probably, you know, a combination of both, wouldn't you sit there and say? Oh, I agree. I mean, 
growing up um, before like long toss was really a, a set in stone thing. I was already doing that with my dad. He would stand at home plate, hit me fly balls and I would catch them shag and pop flies. And then I'd pretend I was throwing guys out at home and fire it right back to him. So that was a form of long toss that helped me strengthen my arm. And I just thought I was messing around at the ball field as a young kid, but it actually helped me out and with arm strength and such. George. Sure. I, you know, in college you were a reliever uh, primarily and uh, a lot of long stuff from what I read. Uh, uh, how did that come about? Uh, is that, was that just, you got to college and they said, no, you're, you're not a starter. We're going to put you, we're going to have you come in and out of the pen and that, or was that something you kind of uh, just desired to do? So early on in my college career, I was a reliever. But then once I got uh, more accustomed to college and more experience under my belt, we did try starting. Um, but in college, I was I was a two-pitch pitcher, pretty much. I mean, I threw a few change-ups as a third pitch, but I was primarily a two-pitch pitcher. So the one year I was a starter, um, I'd get to the fifth inning. I'd get through four, squeaky clean. Get to the fifth, get that third time through the lineup, and I'd struggle to get to the fifth. Mm -hmm. So especially with just two pitches. So my last year in college, my coach and I sat down and we said, like, we think I think you're best to be out of the bullpen for the team. And I told him I agree. I prefer being a reliever as a starter. I like it better. And he said, like, now that doesn't mean I'm going to keep you as a traditional closer or middling relief. I'm going to bring you in whenever I feel like I need to bring you in, whether that's the second, whether that's the ninth, whether that's something in between, if, whether you need to be out there for three, four innings at a time. And I said, yes, sir. I'm all on board for that. Whatever you need, I'll do. So, um, I was just always more effective coming out of the bullpen. I don't know if that's mm -hmm. just, I had a better mindset, but my, um, especially being a harder throwing guy with only two pitches, it kind of played to my strength even more. Good. Uh, how has the adjustment been from going from the college ball to uh, the minor leagues? You it's know, been good. Um, preparation and stuff. Preparation wise, I really don't do anything different. Um, I wanted to keep my things, my routines the same while also integrating some of the Red Sox uh, advice and tactics that they wanted me to try out. Um, we've made a few adjustments since um, entering pro ball, but the mindset for me is still the same, is to go out there and attack hitters and get outs no matter what inning I'm in in the game. So in that aspect, it's to me, it's the same. Now, the hitters are better, obviously, but I also have better fielders behind me and better players on my side as well which also helps a lot. But at the end of the day, for me, I still tell myself it's still just the game of baseball that I've been playing for my entire life. Don't try and overcomplicate it. Uh, first time go going to spring training, you know, after being drafted, uh, what was that like for you? What, did you kind of like sit back and enjoy it and just take everything in? Uh, did you get get any advice from anybody during your first spring training? Yeah, it was an amazing experience just because I, I was going, I went there, I even went down there early just to try and meet everybody, meet the training staff, meeting all the players within the organization. Because in, uh, when we were drafted, I didn't get sent to Salem or anything. I was still in the complex. So I really didn't get to meet that many people and other players. Um, so experiencing that was pretty cool for me because now after meeting those players in spring training, I'm playing on the same team with them, whether it was in Greenville or Portland. Um, 
one uh a couple of people that i met that really really helped me was like uh chris troy ct he was very very um influential in how i looked at pro ball compared to college ball and he helped me with like okay this is yes this is major league uh stuff or pro pro level stuff we're at spring training but stay true to what got you here don't feel like you need to go out and and change a bunch of stuff or do something different because what got you here is the reason why they drafted you yeah uh ct you know uh we're gonna be interviewing him october 1st but you know he is one of the i don't want to put everybody else out there but he's one of the four people that i consider future of boston in middle relief you know i have you i have uh luis guerrero ryan fernandez and ct mm-hmm. so you know you guys all in my opinion are great uh, middle relievers i expect to see you guys all in some point up in uh, fenway up in boston because you guys all put in the work you guys all have a great mindset and that's what you uh that's what you need you know especially going into boston because you know sometimes it's not for uh, like a big market's not for everybody so mm-hmm. how how do you prepare you know to make your debut at, at one point in uh up in boston i mean i think it's it goes back to uh, talking about the transition from college to pro ball obviously there are going to be a lot of nerves uh, in, if, when I make it to Boston and such. But going back to the roots of this is still just the game of baseball. There's no need to worry about the other stuff that you can't control. Um, my college coach like to say, control your controllables. So once I'm up there, it is still my job to go out there and get guys out. So my mentality will be nothing else matters. Go out there and get guys out. The big market has nothing to do with me getting the leadoff guy out or throwing strike one. Okay, big question. What is your walkout song now, and what would it be in your debut? So my walkout song now is I'm So Sorry by Imagine Dragons. I've had it for three ni- three years now, well, last year's of college mm-hmm. and this year. And honestly, I probably don't see myself switching. <laughs> Okay, yeah, because uh, I'm trying to think. I think it was Theo uh, Denlinger. He's down there, you know, with you guys now. Uh, I I sit there and I asked him what his walkout song was, and he told me never heard of it. Then all of a sudden, I heard it, and I'm like, dude, that's on my playlist now because it's just <laughs> it's it's just pure, you know. And it's, and sometimes that's what you need to set the tone, mm-hmm. set the mindset to go out there. You know, I remember uh, George, um, you know, uh, probably does Papelbon, you know. Oh, man, when, when his song, you know, hit, everybody knew it's time for business. And I'm sure as soon as your song hits, you know, you're, you're it's time for business. Yep. You better buckle up. Yep. So let's, uh, George, go ahead. Uh, are you, so... That you've you've recently come up in the last month to Portland. Uh, how how have you felt the adjustments going? I mean, you know, jumping levels is is tough. I mean, you're you're a bit, you're a bit of an older player in the sense that you're 24 years old. 
So that, that's got to help because of the maturity level. How do you think that you've made the jump? I think it's gone pretty well. I mean, it hasn't gone without bumps and bruises, but that's the sport that we play. Um, the guys in the team, especially the ones I played with in Greenville that came up here before me, have made it really easy on me through the transition, and they were very welcoming. Um, the coaching staff has been also very, very welcoming and very helpful in helping me achieve the goals that we set out to do uh, at the mid, even from the midway point of the season. So I'm loving my time here in Portland. It's a very nice city. I love the team. I love the coaching staff. Um, I think it's going pretty well so far, and I'm excited to finish out this last week of the season very strongly. Good. A, a lot of relationships for a pitcher is with the catcher. And Alex, you got some hell of a hell of a, a squad of catchers there. You know, Nathan Hickey, mm-hmm. uh, Marrero, and of course, you know, Kyle Teal. Not to mention, uh, throw in the other Alex, Alex Arrow. Yeah. Uh, what kind of relationships do you have with the catchers there in Portland? And do you prefer uh, one to, to know and lead you better than the others? Um, I trust them all equally the same. I know each of them personally. I, I live with Hickey in Portland. He's one of my roommates. Um, I know to the level they put into preparation and prepping for games and studying hitters and studying teams and studying tendencies. I trust each and every one of them fully. In fact, like I'm not even a guy who really shakes off and it's, and it's not, it doesn't matter what, who is catching me where it's arrow teal, Hickey, Marrero, it's, it's no, I have no personal preference because all of them are phenomenal catchers and can call a great game for me. Okay, look, let's let's ease the baseball tensions and switches all up like I love to do. What do you do in your free time? Uh, you know, what do you what do you enjoy doing to get yourself away from uh, baseball? You know, and just have fun. I um, I am a big football and basketball fan so i when those are in season i'm following those just as intently as i follow baseball um i also love movies i love like marvel star wars that type of stuff so i'm always watching the new and latest shows that are out with that so um movie watching binge watching shows on netflix and basketball and football both at the college and professional level are are two of my most important interests outside the field Okay, I've got to ask now, who's your football team, who's your basketball team, and who's your team in college? Okay, so I'm a little bit all over the place, but you guys will be happy with my NFL team. I'm a Patriots fan. I grew up loving Tom Brady, even after he left. I still love Tom Brady, but I'm a true Patriots fan. Um, Well, uh, Alex, I'm going to say, I'm not in Boston. I'm in Pennsylvania. So I'm not. Oh, no. I'm, I'm, I am not a big Patriots fan, right there. I'm actually a Giants fan. Okay. So, wow. Yeah. That's all right. That's all right. We we let them talk. You know, I'm I'm diehard Patriots fan. Grew up in New England, so we're good. Okay. Yeah. Two <laughs> against one. Yeah. That, that, that's the that's my only team that's outside of besides college. I, I'm a huge Texas uh, Longhorn fan, but mm. that, that uh, I just I, I never got into the New England thing, you know. Uh, my Celtics, uh, I always followed wherever Shaq went. Shaq ended his career uh, in Boston, so that's where mm-hmm. I, you know, tied down my roots. And, well, Bruins, 
you can't get no better team than Bruins. Hockey fan. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, college, though, um, grew up in Iowa. So Iowa Hawkeye fans got to watch them play a little bit yesterday. Um, and then NBA, I grew up loving Carmelo Anthony. So I'm a, unfortunately, a New York Knicks fan. Oh, well, they do have promise. Yes. So and, and, yes. and an upside. So compared to what the previous years have been, yes, I am very excited. So uh, you say you're a huge Star Wars fan, Marvel fan. Uh, who's your favorite character in both? And Marvel, I did it one time, binge watched everything in complete order. Like, oh wow! I'm talking Netflix series, everything where you would watch three or four episodes, then you got to go watch something else and then back. Mm -hmm. uh, I did that one time. Would you ever be that dedicated to watch it? Oh, of course. I'd sit down and, and do it over a week if I could. Just sit down and never leave the couch or whatever and just binge watch it all. Um, but favorite Marvel character for me is Captain America. Kind of original. Um, favorite Star Wars character for me probably be obi-wan kenobi okay and could i sit there and ask why obi-wan and why captain america so captain america to me is the like technically he has no superpowers mm -hmm. yet he is kind of the leader of them all and the most um how do i put this he's the kind of the ones they look everyone else looks to for strength and guidance even though he has no superpowers at all um Obi-Wan, to me, is kind of the, the older mentor to Anakin throughout the, throughout the series and movies. So um, he's kind of the guy who always did what was right, even when he had to make some hard decisions and stuff like that. So I kind of looked up to him for that. Okay. George, do you have anything to, to add with that? Uh, um. I, I'm somewhat of a Captain America fan. I was always an Iron Man fan myself, but um, I, I I always find it interesting uh, when people start talking about you know uh, how, relationship to Star Wars and uh, you know Marvel and D, and DC stuff, and it, it's it, it's a lot of it. And, and you just mentioned it: two two real leaders, you know, in their own way. Uh, quiet, unassuming, and you know, just going out to do their business, and uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that I love that. Um, they're also not the most vocal people either, and yet people follow them. And um, for me, I'm not I'm not a vocal leader, but I feel as though people follow have a tendency to follow me just based on my actions. And yeah. we, I, I I like that similarity between between those two characters as well. Uh, sometimes I've always found, uh, even while, while I'm at work, actions speak louder than words sometimes. And if people see you doing the right thing or see you working and, and trying to perfect your craft, that they're come over, ask questions, and join you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so, it's, it's, it's also the fact that you're doing it every single day. They're not just seeing you do it once every mm -hmm three or four days, they're seeing you do it every single day in and out like clockwork. And I think that that plays a really big role in seeing who is a leader and who is not. Uh, where did you get your work ethic from? 
I got it from both my parents. Um, you might want to call it a Midwestern uh, work ethic, but both my parents worked full-time jobs, raising three kids, and yet they still took us to all of our games, all of our sporting events, and were there to support us through all of them, both me and my two siblings. So they made sure that time management is a big thing. And if, once you commit to something, you better see it through because you committed to that. So, and you better give your full and full intent when doing so. I, I always told my son the same thing. Uh, he, when he went and played fall ball for the first time and he had a bad interaction with the coach and uh, he's like, I, I don't want to play. I said, if you don't want to play, that's fine, but you're still going to go to every game. You're going to sit at the bench and watch everybody. You made a commitment, you know, mm -hmm. and th that's, that's, I value a commitment more than I value, you know, mostly other things because once you sit there and say yes i'm going to do it you're in it for the long haul even if you guys sit the bench the whole time you know yep. so and and i think that's something that kids nowadays don't aren't installed in them as much you know they think oh i tried it i played two games and i don't like it i'm done you know well, mm -hmm. now you left, left the whole team down you know yeah i i agree completely um even things that I didn't want to try growing up, um, my parents would have me try them out, commit to them for, uh, for however long it lasted. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, sometimes I, at the end of it, I didn't like it. I was right. But then more likely than not, at the, end of the, at the end of the commitment, I ended up liking it or I grew in other ways through friendships or learning and both in the actual aspect or even off of through, um, through other people. So I think just sticking through and completing things brings a lot of value to, especially for the younger generation. Okay. Let, let's go back to the bullpen. Uh, I am a big fan of when I'm at games to be uh, sitting somewhere around the bullpen because sometimes there's more action in the bullpen than there is in that, uh, you know, watching up close in the game. Uh, what are some of your favorite bullpen games to play? Uh, and, and who are so, some of the, you know, the characters that, that you enjoy the conversation with out there in the bullpen? So I can tell you right now, uh, since coming up to Portland, the people I interact with the most on the bullpen is Chris Troy, Ryan Miller, and Theo Den Denlinger. And those are kind of my three guys that we're going to sit down, pull up a chair, and we can talk about anything throughout the entire game. Um, in terms of games, I don't know if we really play what we call games, but there are just certain topics of conversation that we could talk through innings on innings on innings and stuff like that. And they don't even have to be serious conversations. They could be wacky, out-of-the-box conversations just to make people laugh and stuff like that, to pass the time and stuff like that. So we have a lot of those. I don't know if we play a lot of games, but we have a lot of weird and, let's just say, unique conversations that happen in the bullpen. Uh, is there ever... Uh, so somebody in the in the bullpen uh, when you came up to Portland that, you know, seen a pitch that you threw or, you know, throws a, a pitch, but it's just a different grip on uh, the kind of like, hey, uh, try this grip or anything like that. Or have you, you know, done the same uh, to help someone else out? I haven't switched any of my grips, but um, coming into this year, I was very new to analytics and mm -hmm. Ryan Miller. I spent last year with the Yankees organization 
in previous years with the Diamondbacks organization, and he is very, very knowledgeable on the analytics side. So we haven't switched anything, but we've had certain talks on like why my stuff plays the way it does based on the numbers that we're getting. So I haven't changed anything, but like on my numbers for vertical and horizontal movement, they say this, and then we'll say, and then Ryan Miller will say, well, that's why you see swings like this on your fastball because these numbers show that or on your slider or on my developing changeup and stuff like that. But I haven't made any um, like grip changes since I've been here in Portland. Are, are you a big fan of analytics, uh, you know, coming into it? Um, so I am a fan of analytics just based on the fact because I didn't know much about it. Um, but I think it's important to train with it, but don't overuse it. Because at the end of the day, you can't use analytics when you're out there throwing pitches. It is when you're out there, you have to go back to the so-and-so old school ways of pitching, getting guys out, throwing strike one, executing pitches at certain locations and certain counts. You can't be worried about, oh, my, my fastball had two, in, two less inches of vertical break when you're out there on the mound. That's not going to set you up for success. So I think it's very cool and important to train with it in practice and before games and then bullpens. But once you get out there, you can't be thinking about analytics. Uh, growing up and in college compared to now where we're switching over to a pitch clock, you know, the ro robot umps, uh, what are your thoughts on, on that? Are they, you think that they're helping the game? Do you think that they are, uh, you know, pushing us in the right direction that, that we need to bring those, bring a lot more fans back to baseball. I can't speak for the robo umps because I've never experienced them. I personally, just thinking about it, don't like robo umps. I like the variability. I don't want every single strike call to be picture perfect or every ball call to be perfect. I like, hell, I like it when umpire or managers get thrown out of the game for arguing balls and strike. I think that's part of the entertainment value of baseball. Call me old school, but hey, I like it. Um, now pitch clock on the other hand was certainly an adjustment for me. I thought I worked fast. I was a fast worker in, in college when I was pitching, I did not work fast enough when I experienced a pitch clock for the first time. So it was definitely an adjustment for me, but looking back at it, I think it is a smart move for baseball just to speed up the game and, um, kill some of the dead time in between action. Uh, George can sit there and, and vouch for this. Portland has a lot of young star power in the field at all times. You know, th this might be one of the best teams that we put together, you know, in the minors for quite some time, you know, with Nick Yorkie, uh, Marcella Meyer, uh, you know, and the list goes on and on. How comfortable are you when you're on the mound knowing that you could give up uh, a hit and the defense behind you is stellar as it has been. I mean, I have all the confidence in them. Uh, like I said before, to start this, this, uh, our talk, this is by far the most talented team I've ever played with both hitting, fielding, base running, whatever. Like I've seen some spectacular plays made behind me and the other guys when they're throwing, like there are some times where I like, shoot, I left up all middle, middle, and he smacks it. And then all of a sudden, Chase Meidroth dies 
and at shortstop or second base and catches it or or someone else makes an over the shoulder play on a blue pit that I thought was going to fall for a single. It's just amazing seeing these guys work because I know they've put the time into their craft to perfect this thing. So it's not like they don't practice it, but it's pretty cool seeing these plays being made behind you when you're on the mound. Uh, one kid that we've been watching, Roman Anthony, you know, j- just just like Kyle Keel, uh, he's he's young and he's just he's just moving through the system really quick. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about you know uh, when you watch him play, how he's young? He's what nineteen, and he's playing and he's mature. That's a 22, 23-year-old that's been in the system for quite some time. Yeah, he is a very, very, very advanced hitter. Even in spring training, I face him in spring training. Very, very advanced hit, hit tool. Has a feel for the strike zone at such a young age, which is not a lot of time you see with young players. And when he swings and makes contact with the ball, it sounds different off his backs. And he doesn't even have to square it up, and it still sounds different. It is loud, and it travels very, very far in a very, very short amount of time. George? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I live about 20 minutes from Hadlock. Um, so I get to, I try to get up as often as I can. I, I listen to the broadcasts and, you know, follow as much as I, I possibly can. Um, this team, uh, I've never seen a team that, the they're so focused that even in a even when you're having a bad game, it's it's like you you get the feeling you're not out of it because all of a sudden something happens, and it's full of about you. You mentioned Chase Mydroth. I, I I'm I'm amazed at his versatility and and how much hustle he has out there. Uh, you know I, I've seen him make some plays, uh, and you know he moves all over wherever wherever they want him. I mean you know. Mm-hmm. He, He's done. He's done everything that they asked him to do, and this. And I'll say the same thing about Blaze Jordan bouncing back on both sides of the infield on, on either corner. So you know, to me as a fan, uh, it, it, it's really it's exciting to see because you know, the, it, baseball twenty first century is all about versatility. You know, you don't you're not just anchored in one position all the time. Your value is is increased by the more things you can do. You know, because of the the importance of roster positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do you, the other thing, the one thing I'm going to ask you, but you've been in Portland now for a little over a month. What do you like best about Portland? I like the fans. Yeah. Like, it's a great no place matter. to watch a game. <laughs> yes. It is. And also like Greenville is amazing. And I love the Greenville, Greenville's field and stuff like in the locker room and stuff like that. Portland has a more, to me, has a more historic atmosphere to it. A more historic um, baseball field to it. And I, as soon as I stepped in the locker room and stepped on the field, I kind of felt that. And I think the fans know that too. And that's why they turn out and they love the team so much. So being a, a baseball historian, so to speak, or fan of the history of baseball, I really, really appreciate and enjoy being important for that aspect. And the fans are pretty close all the way around too. Yes. Uh, well, we don't get much of a view into the bullpen because of where, where it's located because you can't really see I've sat in the right field bleaches and I, it's like you really can't see inside the pen at all. No, you can see the visitors pen, but you can't see, you can't see much in the, uh, the home pen at all. Mm-hmm. Right. So, Alex, I, we're going to play a quick game. I'm going to say a player 
a teammate of yours, and you just say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. okay. Sounds good. We're going to sit there and start off. Theo Denlinger. Blacksmith. Okay. Uh, let's go. CT. Friend. Nathan Hickey. A clown. Blaze Jordan. The professional. Matthew Lugo. He honestly looks like a bodybuilder. Tyler Dearden. Oh, Dearden. Laughter. Uh, let's go. Wow. Let's go. Philip Sykes. Superb athlete. Chad Epperson. Uh, we'll call. Him, I'll say the Godfather. And the last, last one I'm gonna throw at you will be Ryan Zephyr Zephyrhan. Zephyrhan. Um, Midwest boy. Okay. Well, Alex, I'm gonna sit there and let George uh, ask a, one last question before we uh, ask the question I love to ask everybody. So. Um, if you weren't playing baseball, what would, what would you be doing? Hmm. I couldn't tell you specifically, but I know it'd be something involved in athletics, whether that's being a PE teacher, athletic director, or hope trying to work into a, a MLB front office someday. It would have to be something in athletics. Great. Cool. Okay. Alex, here we go. It's going to be the question of all questions. Hot tub time machine. You can go and face any batter you want in MLB history. Bottom of the ninth, you're on the mound, game's on the line. Who's that one person you would love to sit there and face? Being a diehard Cardinals fan, I love to face Albert Pujols. Prime Albert oh. Pujols with the Cardinals. See, I, I, I was thinking you when you said about Cardinals, I'm thinking about maybe you might, you might want to go, go up and uh, – Give Big Mac his uh, his record-breaking home run. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I was more of a I was more of a Pujols guy than a McGuire guy growing up. Ah, uh, so Alex, want to thank you for coming on. Uh, I'm going to give you the floor. Let uh, everybody know where they can sit there and uh, reach out to you at. Sir, sure. uh, thank you guys for having me. Um, you can reach out to me on my Instagram. I'm trying to be more active about that, uh, alexhoppy24. Um, I really thank you guys for uh, having me on here and asking so many questions. It was great meeting you guys. Well, thanks, Alex. Uh, George, any uh, final thoughts? No, I, uh, I'm looking forward to I'll be at the game on Thursday, weather permitting. Uh, so looking forward to see if, you, if Chad sends you out there and we'll see what happens. So, guys... This is the Pesky Podcast. He is George. Our new good friend, Alex, is here. And I am the Rit. Check us out next time on the Pesky Podcast.